If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. We'll be in Isaiah chapter 40, about two-thirds of the way through. And we're going to begin reading in verse 6 in just a moment. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 6. Today we're going to look at one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And uh, my original plan had actually been to cover pretty well the whole chapter of Isaiah, chapter, uh, Isaiah 40 this week. And um, the more I studied, the, the, the fewer verses I realized we were going to be able to get through. And so my, my, my focus kept getting smaller and smaller, more narrow and more narrow. And so we're just going to look at verses 6 through 8 today. So Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to begin reading in verse 6. Now in the first 39 chapters... Of Isaiah. Now, now the prophets are kind of hard to get through sometimes, right? And so Isaiah chapter or Isaiah uh, ver- chapters one through thirty nine are, are kind of rough because God has called His prophets to deliver a message of judgment, a, a message of uh, of calling the people to repentance. And so over and over again, Isaiah is calling the people to repent, to turn back to God, to to to, to come to Him. And there are some 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 passages that that are. Uh, looking ahead, you know, like Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, uh, give birth to a child. And and uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, my, uh, so on and so forth. But but mostly, all those chapters deal with judgment. They, they deal with calling the people back to God. The problem is, the people rejected the message. They were hard-hearted and they were stubborn. And so then in chapters 40 through 66... The tone of, of Isaiah completely changes. In fact, it's so much different that many biblical scholars don't think the same guy that wrote chapters 1 through 39 wrote 40 through 66. I mean, it's that different. And so in 40 through 66, God puts the nation of Israel and the idols that they've been trusting in, the idols that they've been worshiping alongside and instead of God, and, and he puts them on trial. And he shows in, in uh, chapters 40 and, and the first couple chapters in that section that he is completely like, uh, he's completely unlike anyone or anything. And so uh, in chapter 40 that we're going to look at today, God is, is talking about how incomparable he is. He, so he, he is. He's completely other than everyone and everything. And so this whole chapter, it, it's, it's statement after statement and question after question that highlight God's Otherness. Now we're going to look at just one little section today of that passage. So if you found Isaiah 40 and are able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's Word. And as we uh, look at this, I want you to meditate on the question that is asked in, in the text uh, all the way through uh, chapter 40. To whom will you liken God? And the answer to that, of course, is nobody. So if you found uh, Isaiah chapter 40, look with me at verse 6. It says, A voice says, Call out. Then he answered, What shall I call out? And the answer, all flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, there, there are two main things I want you to see in this text. The first is that God is, God, God and His Word are eternal. God and His Word are eternal. Look back at verse 6. God speaks here and it says, A voice says, call out. God is not silent. He commands the prophet 
to call out. Now, this, notice this is not a secret message. This is not something to, to, to hide under a bushel. This is not a, some sort of a, an esoteric uh, uh, truth that only a few people are, are able to, to, to discern. He calls his spokesman to call out, to, to, to proclaim, to announce it from the rooftop, to tell everybody he knows, to say it loudly. And what's the message? The message is that God is eternal. And he starts out by highlighting the fact that man is temporary. Man is transitory. And look at the, look at the images that are used. Man, man is just a blip in human history. But if you look at verses 6 and 7, the end of verse 6, he says that mankind, humanity, men, women, boys and girls, all nations, our own included, everything to do with humanity is only here for a short time. We are just a blip in history. We're, we're, we're like grass. We're like flowers. Now, this time of year, we know all about grass, don't we? I mean, we, we look out, and you can, mow the, you can mow the yard, and then by the end of the day, it's, it's, it needs mowed again sometimes. I mean, you get, you get rain like we had a couple days ago, and then you get the hot weather, the sunshine like we had yesterday, like we're going to have today, and, and, and the grass just, just springs up overnight. It's, it, it, it's lush. It's, it's, it's very full. And that is a picture of humanity. We have a season of, of, of existence. We, we, we have it. We, now, grass, can I just say, I hate mowing. And, and it's, it's kind of like dust in your house. It's kind of pointless because you're going to have to do it over and over and over again. But, but you also know that if you don't do it, it's going to be so big, it's going to take over. It's going to look like, you, you know, looks like the, the cows need to come out and graze. Now, grass is is it's just overwhelming sometimes but we all know it ain't permanent grass has a season and it, it has a time it has a window and 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 we know that it may be lush and green today but it only takes a little dry spell for it to to, to shrivel up and wither and die all it takes is a little frost all it takes is the season changing from summer to fall and then all of a sudden that grass that was so vibrant and so thriving and, and, and making you want to pull your hair out, all of a sudden it's dead. It's withered up. It's not there anymore. It's gone away. Its vitality is there, but it's brief. It's fragile. It's here one day, and it's gone the next. The same is true of flowers of the field. Around this time, if you go out and, and pay attention, you know there are flowers all over the place in bloom. Your allergies probably can tell you that. There, there's stuff blooming all over the place, and they are pretty. I mean, maybe it's a bouquet of flowers that you've gotten from, from your significant other. Maybe it's your flower garden. Maybe it's uh, uh, wildflowers out in the field. You see those things, and sometimes it makes you literally stop in your tracks. You can be stunned by their beauty. But as somebody has noted, getting a bouquet of flowers is basically getting a vase of death. Have you noticed that? Because when you get flowers, you may look at them, and all your friends, all your coworkers, all your whoever sees them may say, Oh, those are so beautiful. You, you just have such a, a, a wonderful husband. You have such a wonderful boyfriend. Look at how beautiful those are. And they're pretty for a while. But you come back in a couple weeks, and they don't look the same, do they? Do they you come back in a couple weeks, and those, those flowers that were once vibrant are faded. They, they, they're now drooping. Those beautiful hues have all turned brown. They've all dried up. They've withered. The, the petals are falling off. The same is true whether it's flowers of the field or, or your flower garden or a bouquet. There's a, there's a season for those things, but that window of time is short. And, and outside of that time, they're not worth looking at. Now, we have, we have rose bushes out in front of the church. 
And there was a there there was a, a year or two that I mean they were just full and they were just they were beautiful. But during the winter time they weren't fit to look at. Those 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 beautiful flowers only lasted for a short time. And that's what the that's what the prophet and that's what God through his prophet is saying. It, 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 we're, we are just like grass. We're just like the flowers of the field. And notice if you look at verses 6 and 7, that, that idea is repeated two times. People, kingdoms, presidencies, nations, monuments to our own uh, achievements and glory, everything to do with humanity is temporary. Now consider this. Some of us have lived through a bunch of different presidencies. And some of us have gone through presidencies and we just love that guy that was in the White House and we've also lived through presidencies that we couldn't wait till the bum was out. And, and when you're going through those, through, those, through those terms, it seems like on, sometimes you wonder if the nation's going to make it. I mean, you say, man, it's just, I'm not, I'm not sure we can make it till this guy gets out. And it's only four or eight years. And, and, and in the moment, it seems like those things are going on forever. And yet, when we look back at those times, we condense all those terrible days or all those great days down to a sentence, don't we? So-and-so was president between this year and this year. Now, we may follow it up and say, he was a bum or he was great, but, but we condense it down. If you've done genealogy or, or read or studied historical events, whatever it is, you know the same thing is true. You might say, well, this person was king... Or this person had a, a life of a hundred years, and you may condense all these, all these years down to a statement. Our life is short; it's transitory; it's temporary; it's fleeting. And I just want to make a personal application: your life and mine is the same. Our lives are temporary; our lives are transitory. We're here for a few years, and then we die. Life is short. But eternity is really long. Eternity has no end. Therefore, we need to make sure to prepare in this life for eternity in the next life. And the way that you do that, of course, is by trusting Christ as your Savior. So in verses 6 and 7, he repeats two times. Mankind, men and women, humanity, nations are temporary. We're like flowers of the field. We're like, we're like grass. But I want you to look again at verse 8 and notice the contrast that he makes. He says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but, in contrast, however, the word of our God, uh, the word of our God stands forever. In stark contrast to the transitory nature of, of our lives, God and his word are eternal. Our lives are in a constant state of change. The only thing that is constant in our lives is that things are always changing we're always in a state of flux not just flux we're in a state of decay and i've mentioned this a number of times you know this you get up in the morning and sometimes you feel the decay in your bones literally i mean you feel the decay as you look in the mirror you feel the decay as you try to do this and do that and and five years ago ten years ago yesterday you could do it just fine and all of a sudden it's depressing when you when you do something or try to do something that you remember being able to do real easily and all of a sudden, you can't do it anymore. You can't run as fast as you used to. In fact, you can't run at all. You, you can't jump as high as you used to. You can't do this. You can't do that. Maybe that's what you were known for in school, and all of a sudden, you can't do it at all. You can't work like you used to. You can't do this. You can't do that. 
We are constantly in a state of change. We're constantly in a state of decay. You're not the same person now as you were when you came in the church. You've had probably had some donuts. You've had some coffee. You've shaken people's hands. You've had this happen. You've had that happen. You're not the same right now as you were even when you came in. And even those things that seem the most permanent in life, like the mountains. You look at the mountains. They're not the exact same today as they were yesterday. The mountains, as, as mighty and as permanent as they seem to be, they're affected by weather. They're affected by seismic activity. They're affected by the actions of man. But that's not true of God. Notice what it says in verse 8. God is immutable. His word is immutable. It's unchanging. God's unchanging His purpose. He's unchanging His plan and His nature and His character. God never changes. He's not man that He would lie or that He would repent. He, he, he revealed himself to Moses. You remember what, what, he, what happened at the burning bush? Moses saw the bush was on fire, not burning. He said, I'm going to turn aside and see this, this thing. And God speaks to him out of the bush. He calls Moses to deliver this message to, to his people, to lead him out of Egypt. He says, well, what if, what if they say, well, who is it that's sending you? And what did God say his name was? You tell him who sent you. I am. He didn't say, you tell him I am. I, I was sent you. you don't, he, he wasn't to tell them, I'm going to be sent you. He didn't tell them, I hope to be or I am becoming. He said, I am sent you. The, the constant, unchanging, self-existent one. I am. Listen, God doesn't need me and he doesn't need you. God doesn't depend on us. He is self-sufficient. He is autonomous. He doesn't require outside help. He doesn't need us to, to, to help him along. He doesn't need a nudge. He doesn't need advice. We need him. He doesn't need us. Nations rise against nations. They, they come and go. There are political, social upheavals. There are revolutions. There are different things that happen in the world with, with plagues and, and wars and all these different things. And God is outside it all. He is unfazed by these things. He is untouched. He is unchanged. What He purposes, He does. What He wills, He accomplishes. He doesn't doesn't depend on us. He's not hindered by us. He just does what He wants. He's not worried by plagues. He's not distressed by wars. He stands forever, transcendent, and yet caring. God and His Word are unchanging. They are eternal. But not only does God outlive and outlast His creation, if you notice, His Word is forever too. His decrees, His statutes, His precepts are eternal. They're timeless and yet timely. They they stand the test of time. They apply equally. It doesn't matter what what your skin color is, what your nationality is, what your location is, what your era of history is. God's Word stands the test of time. It's as relevant today as it was when it was first given. Now, we live in an era... Where the Bible is seen as just, a, just another dusty old history book. Not even a history book, but a, a book that many people say of, of mythology. They say it has no authority. It, 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 it doesn't apply today. Well, that was, that was for them. We're so enlightened now. We're, we, we've come so far. People don't even know what bathroom to go in. We haven't come so far. They, they, they say it was written down for, for another people in another time. But I want to tell you, this is relevant today as it was when it was first penned. It's for us today, just like it was for them. And if if God said it was right or wrong back then, it's right or wrong today too. Now you can criticize it, you can disbelieve it, you can ignore it. That's your prerogative, but it sets your own peril. 
Because God and His Word are eternal. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. Now, when we come across truths like this, we need to ask respectfully, so what? So what? How does that affect me today? What, what does that have to do with my daily life? Well, there are a couple things I want to draw your attention to. The first, I've already mentioned it, but the first is that life is short. Your life is short. Psalm 90, it's, it's a great psalm. You ought, to, you ought to read it sometime. But Psalm 90 says that the days of our lives are 70 years or if by strength, 80 years. Now, when you were young, if you had a, a, somebody in your family, somebody in the community that was 70 or 80 years old, you thought that's pretty old, didn't you? I mean, you looked at them and you're like, whew, I don't know how, I mean, that's just, that's just ancient. That's what we used to think. And, and no doubt when you look at the aged, they have lived a long time, but by what standard? They've lived a long time compared to other people whose lives are also short. But the older you get, the more you realize that 70 and 80 years, it ain't really all that long. I mean, all of a sudden you get to be middle-aged, and you realize that, hey, I've lived half my life, and it went by like that, and I'm already halfway done. We have kids, they're born. And all of a sudden they're in high school. They're out of school. They're, they're in college. They're married. They have kids. Have, they have grandkids. It all happens overnight, it seems like. Listen, there's going to be a day when you're not going to be there to see that next birthday. There's going to be a day when you draw your last breath. You say, Pastor, that's depressing. It is. But you know what? That's a fact. There's a day when you'll return to the dust from which you're taken. Therefore, it would be wise to plan for eternity. Therefore, I mean, if you know there is something that's 100% guaranteed... You, you plan accordingly. Now, out of curiosity, I looked up the world's oldest people. Just today, actually. Got the most recent stuff. Now, according to Wikipedia, which I know, Wiki, eh, but they had the, a list of the 50 oldest people. I don't know what this says about us men, but if I'm not mistaken, four of them were men. 46 of the 50 oldest people were women. Said. So, say about that what you will but the oldest living person and I, I confirmed this multiple places is named by uh, a woman by the name of Maria uh, Brenius Morera and as of today she is 116 years 64 days old now that is that is old but when you think about it she was born March 4th 1907 when you think about it March Everybody that was alive in March 3rd, besides her, 1907, or no, everybody that was alive March 3rd is dead. The entire population of the earth since that date is dead. Everybody on earth that was alive March 3rd, 1907 is gone. They've been replaced. Now many of us know people, knew not know, we knew people who were born before that date. I did. My great-grandma was born in 1900. Life is short. And according to uh, GuinnessWorldRecords.com, they did an article on Miss Morera. 
And on January 1st of this year, she tweeted in part, Life is not eternal for anyone. Life is not eternal, end quote. Life is not eternal, but eternity is sure. You're, you have an expiration date, just like a, just like a gallon of milk. There's going to be a date when, when, when it's, well, it all goes bad. Eternity never ends. Now, for, for the redeemed in heaven, that's, that's a comforting thought. That's great news. But for the condemned in hell, that's the worst news you could ever imagine. You're here for a little while, and what do we do? We put money aside in a 401k. We put money aside in, in an IRA. We put money aside for this, for that. We, we plan for the future, and our lives are, are short and unsure. We don't know what's going to happen in five years, ten years, next year, today. We don't know. And yet we still plan. How much wiser would it be for something that we know for sure will happen, and that is the day of our death? And the way that you prepare for that day is by repenting of your sins and trusting Christ as your Savior. That's the first application of this. The second thing, uh, the second way this applies to us is that we need to hold fast to God's Word. Because the world is changing. Those things that once shocked us, they, they don't shock us anymore. In fact, when you see things even from the 90s, which seems like just like a couple years ago, right? I mean, you see things from the 90s, things that are, are said, the, uh, the, 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 the views that are expressed openly and publicly, those are the things that surprise us now. I can't believe they'd say that. Man, today if you said some of those things out loud and, and the wrong person heard you, your life would be ruined. They, they, they'd kill you in, the, in the, the court of public opinion. Things are not getting better. And what's acceptable and what's in vogue one day is not the next and vice versa. And if you try to keep up with what's in style and what's accepted, you're always going to be chasing the wind. Relevance is not found in always trying to keep up. Relevance is when you stand on God's word. Because what God says is right is right and what he says is wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter who you are or when you are. So we need to hold fast to God's word. Base your life unapologetically on the foundation of his eternal word in season or out of season. Whether it's popular or not, whether you stand with, with, with people or if you stand alone, whether, whether, it's, whether it's the end thing or not. Now, it's easy to, 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 to say amen in our hearts to that when we're sitting in church with like-minded people on Sunday morning. But it's a lot harder when we go to work and school on Monday and we're the only one trying to do what's right. It's a lot harder when, when, when the crowd isn't with us, the crowd's against us. When we're not swimming with the stream, but we're swimming against the stream. And it's easy to kind of go along. And maybe you need to, maybe you need to confess to God sometime when you've failed to stand on, on His Word. you failed to, to hold fast to His Word. And you've gone along to get along. And maybe you need to commit anew to living for Him. Commit to not being ashamed of God and His Word. Or maybe you're not a Christian. And that's what you need to do today. You need to accept Christ for salvation. You want to stand with me as musicians come, and I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And as you stand with his bowed and eyes closed,
just want to encourage you to consider the uncomfortable truth that you know. And that is, there's a day coming when you'll not be coming to church. You'll not be going to a family Christmas. You'll not be going to somebody else's birthday party. You won't be going to your own birthday party because one of these days, your life's going to run out. The oldest living person is 116 years old. I don't know how long she has, but it can't be long. Maybe you'll make it that long. Good chance you won't. But even if you do, your life will one day end, and you'll stand before God. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, judgment. Are you right with God? Have you made peace with God? Have you ever repented of your sins? Do you follow Him? Not do you go to church when it's convenient. Not do you put a, a Christian fish on the back of your car. Have you ever been forgiven of your sins because if not the Bible says you're condemned already because you've not believed on the only begotten son of God you're not the same person that you were when you came in and listen if you came in a lost sinner you can leave a different person you can be forgiven and you can leave a Christian today Heavenly Father we thank you that your word doesn't uh, isn't sugar-coated. It just tells us plainly that we're like the grass, the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. But you and your word are eternal. You stand outside of time. You're unaffected by all things. You don't depend on us. You don't depend on anyone. We thank you that that's our God. And Lord, I pray that for each of us here, we would take honest stock of our lives and we would be prepared for that day, the day of our death. And help us to hold firmly to your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.